Um, I've been thinking about honor for quite some time now, so please do not hold this against Pastor Jason. Anything I say today, <laughs> you can take it up with God or take it up with me, I guess. Um, or just take it up with God, it would be the best thing. Because I'm going to kind of go into what I felt like he was downloading into me, different areas of honor. And so, I mean, you look at this world and it's just, all you see is dishonor everywhere. And I began to think, I'm like, but it has to start in the church. If the church doesn't have honor, why would we expect the world to have honor? So I'm going to start with um, the definition of honor. means heavy or weighty. The figurative meaning, wait, can we just stop? Actually, I need to pray, okay? <laughs> we need to pray. Um, dear God, I just thank you for this awesome opportunity to share your words. Let it not be any of my words, but only your words that come out of my mouth. God, I thank you for hungry hearts. I thank you for hearts that are ready for correction. God, I thank you that we are a church that loves and honors you. So God, I thank you that you speak to us anything that we need to change. In the name of Jesus, amen. So I'm going to say with that, this was for me, so please don't think I'm like seeing people in my, in my face as I was making this message. It's just truly things that were getting downloaded to me. So with that, honor means heavy or weighty. The figurative meaning is to give weight to someone. To honor someone then is to give weight or to grant a person a position of respect and even authority in one's life to esteem, value, or respect. And as soon as I heard the uh, meaning of this word honor, I thought of a, a scale, like those old weight scales. So when weight is put on one end, one end rises higher than the other, correct? So it's elevated higher than the other. So as we're doing this message, think about that, like where, which, where's the weight going? Honor is an internal attitude of respect, courtesy, and reverence and should be accompanied by attention and or even obedience. So now the opposite of honor would be what? Dishonor. dishonor. So let's see what the definition of dishonor. It's the Greek word adamaeus. Sure. It's to treat as common or ordinary. Okay. So you guys got that? So honor is to respect. It's to esteem. It's to put weight to something. Dishonor would be just to treat as ordinary, to treat as common, like nothing special, okay? So we're going to look at 1 Samuel, and we're going to look at some of the life of Saul. Saul was um, anointed by God to be king. He, God said, if you honor me, I will honor you. If you obey me, things will go well with you, but it's up to you. It's your choice you make, but if you honor me, I will honor you. And Saul, Saul started out pretty good. <laughs> But we're going to hit up on some of where Saul kind of went wrong. So 1 Samuel 13, and we're going to start at verse 7. And I think he's going to have it on the screen. Oops, I don't even have the right chapter here. Okay, so meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. So they had... They're in like war times right now. So Saul was told by um, Samuel to like wait for him. Okay, so that's why we're, where we're getting into the story. So Saul waited there seven days for Samuel as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away, so he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offerings himself. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offerings, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet and welcome him, but Samuel said, What is this you have done? Now I'm going to give you guys a little history that don't know the Old Testament. Um, only the priests were told by God to offer burnt sacrifices. Nobody else was allowed to do it. It was only by the priest. So what did Saul do? Saul was not a priest, and he's like, Wait, Samuel's not showing up, so I'm going to do what the priests were told to do. God's like, no, only the priest, okay? So it seems like, well, what's the big deal? Saul's doing a good thing. He's offering burnt offerings to the Lord. What's well, a big deal because it's disobedience. Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are at Michmash, ready for battle. 
So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offerings myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of the people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So now I'm going to go to another scenario with Saul. It's um, 1 Samuel 15, verse 1 we're going to start in. You want to follow along? One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of the people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So again, everything, destroy everything. So Saul mobilized his army at Tilam, Tilam, whatever that is. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Kenites, Move away from where the Amalekites live, or you will die with them, for you have showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites packed up and left. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havlea, however you say that, all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. So you don't have to know how to pronounce some of these, just go with it, okay? He captured, so now it says he captured Agag, the Amalekite king. So what was Saul told to do? Destroy all. So now we're capturing Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroy everyone else. Saul and his army, Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lamb, everything. In fact, that everything in fact that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Interesting. Then what is all the bleeding of... Then what is all the bleeding of the sheep and goats and the lowering of the cattle, I hear, Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Samuel admitted, but they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. Again, could appear to be a good thing. I mean, he's sacrificing them to the Lord, right? We have, just, we have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked. And Samuel told him, Although you may think little of yourself, or you, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, Go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everything else, everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, cattle, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Saul had his own agenda. <laughs> Saul had what he thought was right because he thought it was better. Kind of something that I think we all kind of deal with. We kind of put ourselves on the weight scale. If you want to put the weight scale back up. Like, well, does God really know what he's talking about? Like, I think this would be the better way. But I'm doing it for God. So 
God's like, no. He's like, I want obedience. It's not about sacrifice, it's about obedience. So then I began to think of um, just examples of honor to God, to his house, to people. So just, just different areas in life, and I'm only going to be able to hit up on a couple of them. Um, so the first one, you guys ready for this? This is the first one that came to my mind, was tithing. You know, Brian gets up here every week, and I think he shared, where, oh, that's weird. I'm like, where's Brian? Um, <laughs> which I knew he said over there. But um, he shared, I think, was it last Sunday or the Sunday before, that there's how many scriptures, Brian, on tithing or giving? There's 800, but I decided, I was like, st the statistics in the church is that only 5% of church give goers give 10%. Only 5% of Christians listen to one of the 800 scriptures in the Bible that talk about giving, that talk about tithing. And, you know, and I, and I always began to think about this. Could you, could you imagine Miles coming to my house bringing pizza for our family? Our family's sitting down with the pizza that Miles brings and say, okay, Miles, but hold on a second. We'll see what's left for you. Like, that's what the church is doing. 5% of people are saying, or 95% of people are saying, God, I'll give you my leftovers if I have leftovers. His word is very clear on tithing. And, and, and it's not, if you don't feel like this church is worthy of the 10%, that's fine. Go find a church that you're like, this church is awesome. I want to give my 10% because that's fine. Go find the church that you believe in, but give to God as 10% because God's asked us to give 10%. You know, and it's kind of cool because I, I didn't, wasn't even going to share this, but we have taught our kids that you give to God first. So from the age of, um, I don't think we probably started until Landon was probably nine and I heard a message on you need, to, you need to train your kids. If you're doing it, but your kids don't know you're doing it, how are they supposed to learn? They learn by example. So we started giving our kids $20 a month, and out of that they had to give God 10%, so we taught them what 10% was, and then they split between tithing and spending. And uh, Landon has done this since the age of, I think, about nine, and then it was kind of interesting because he kind of got his own job, and I was like, okay, I can't really force him to do that 10%, but... Um, as you all know, I'm the secretary, so I actually saw that my son started giving 10% without me even asking. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. This year he is, had applied for Michigan Tech, and Michigan Tech is a very expensive school. It's about 50000 a year um, for four years. And he, has right, as of right now, has gotten $130,000 given into scholarships. God will bless you. He is pouring out blessings on Landon because Landon chose to give 10% to him. And I believe Landon's at the beginning of it. I think he's going to get pour out more blessings that he can't even contain it because Landon's being honoring what God has told him to do. So the next one, and I want to read a scripture. Um, if we want to go to 1 Corinthians 6. We're going to start in verse 12. It says, You say I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. And that is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But, what you, can't say, but you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. So, I began to think of sexual immorality in the church. Like so many, you just see it rampant everywhere. That And, and so I was like, well, I want to know what the statistics of the church. And I started looking up statistics in the church, and it said 50% of the church think it's okay to have sex before marriage. The only time it's not okay is if it's your first date. And I began to think, what? This is the church. Like, the Bible is so clear on sexual morality, and it's not just sex, it's, there's all things, pornography, adultery, um, there's a, I mean, look in the Bible, there's, it, and it's full of what, what sexual immorality is. And I begin to think, wow, 50% of the church, again, I'm not saying the world is going to know any better. We can't look at the world and judge the world for any of this, because they don't know better. But I was like, this is the church. 50%? So then I was like, well, I want to know what, what the church thinks about homosexuality. Because now I'm beginning to see here 
of pastors that are okay with it, that are get, doing marriage for um, gays. And I looked at, so I looked up the statistics on that, and it said 54% of the church is okay with homosexuality. And I began to think, what? Like, do we not read our Bible? <laughs> like, it is super clear from beginning to end of the Bible that God is against homosexuality, that he created male and female. He created male and female. He created male and female, and it's through the whole Bible. Satan's trying to strip the identity of people, but he's also doing it in the church. He's, a lot, he's coming into the church realm and allowing thoughts to come into to, and cause perversion in the church. So I think I'm actually going to give this statistic now with, with those two things. So I, I, apparently I was all about statistics. Um, so I was like, well, okay, how, do, how does the church people not know about tithing, not know about sexual immorality, not know about these things. And so I was like, how many of Christians read their Bible? So I looked up statistics and it said, of over 2 billion Christians in the world, less than 30% will ever read through the entire Bible. The fact is over 82% of Christians only read their Bibles on Sundays while in church. So only, so if we were to take a poll right now, and so 18% is what, one in five, less than one in five. How many do you think that's in here? I don't know how many people are in here. 68, so what's 20% of 68? 14, so 14 of you from this side stand up. Two, so you, probably all of you guys, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, all of you over there stand up. So all you all don't read your Bible other than Sunday mornings. Wait, isn't that opposite, right? <laughs> Actually, which is less than. So like how sad is that, that this percent of the church does not read their Bible at all. And of that 18%, they only read it, it doesn't even say it's every day. It might be once a month, it might be once a week. And there is some that read it every day. And I was like, no wonder why Satan has infiltrated the church because they don't get in the word. It says Jesus is our daily bread. He was not to be meant to be our weekly bread. He was meant to be our daily bread. In the, in the Old Testament, when he provided manna for the, the Israelites every day, he said it's the daily bread. It's your daily bread. It's not Pastor Jason that we're supposed to be dependent on. It's us. Uh, we're going to stand accountable to God someday for every single thing we do, say, or don't do, and don't say. So then I started thinking about worship. The Bible has a lot to say on worship and what worship should look like. And, I, and so I began to think, you know, when you're in leadership of the church, you start hearing, you, you get to hear the complaints of people. And um, I was, and, and we hear whether it be complaining of the same songs over and over and over. Tara has to sing the same songs over and over. Like, why does Tara have to do that? Or, oh my gosh, why is their worship so long at this church? I think I'm going to go to a different church because their worship is just so long. And I was listening to um, another church, and they, sing, they were singing um, Waymaker for over 35 minutes. One song for 35 minutes. And the guy got up, and the girl got up there and she was talking about it. She's like, if, you're, if, you all, if you have a complaint about the length, the time, she's like, you're thinking from a carnal perspective. You're not thinking from an eternal perspective. The angels are around the throne 24-7 singing one word. Holy, 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 why is it that we're like, oh my goodness, why does Tara have to keep singing the song? It's not about us. We're here to worship the king because he has given us everything we have. We were created for him. We were created to him for, should I just look up that scripture actually? I have it somewhere here. Let's go there. Tara might have it off the top of her head. Um, um, I think it's in 1 Corinthians. Deb, do you know it off the top of your head? 
No. <laughs> oh, here it is. Colossians 1.16. It says, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we see and the things we cannot see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities on the unseen world. Everything, are you in everything? Was created through him and for him. We were created for him. We were created to worship him. If it's one word for three hours, is he worthy? Is he deserving? And if the answer to the question is no, then say, God, help me see it. It's okay to have the answer no, as long as we know what to do with the answer no. God, show me. Show me why worship's important. You know, Pastor Jason one time talked about that, that Satan was the, wor- the worshiper and he got kicked out of heaven because he wanted all the glory for himself. And he's, you know, and he said, so I think when God created humans, they were like, and there's my worshipers. This is why Satan's trying to come and infiltrate the church and worship. Oh, you guys, just, it's just, it's not, it's not, you, God doesn't want to hear your voice. Your voice doesn't sound like terrorists that keep your mouth shut. No, he created your voice for him. It's your voice. You're the only one that will ever have your voice. You're the only one that will ever have your hands that can worship him. You're the only one of you. He will never make another you. We were created for worship. We were created to adore the king. We were cre- we're his creation made to worship. So with that, I was thinking, like, what does that look like? So it's not going to look like everybody else. That doesn't mean you have to be bawling. It doesn't mean you have to be crying. But where's your heart? Are you giving your full attention? Are we training our children? You are in the presence of the king right now. Will you give him your full attention? Are we training them? Are we training ourselves? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry right now, but if Tara's asking me to stand, I'm going to stand because God has spoken to her, so I'm going to listen to what she has to say. Or God's telling you to sit, that's okay. Then listen to what God's telling you to do, not what people tell you to do. But what is God telling you? What should your worship look like? God, what should my worship look like? And it might change from Sunday to Sunday. One Sunday it might be like, you're in pain. It's okay, sit down and worship in your chair. One Sunday it might be, I want to sacrifice a praise. Can you please stand up and worship? One Sunday it might be, I need you to close your eyes because you're being distracted. Close your eyes. What does God ask of you and your worship? But one thing he asks is that you worship. So then I began to think in different areas of like, what does that look like in just, how does our honor affect how we treat the place of God. This is the house. Yes, we are the house of God. But how do we treat the house of God? You know, one of my biggest pet peeves, and Michelle, I'll try not to pet it, but I sometimes do, is like I walk in from a room in our church, and the chairs are pulled out from the table. Nobody puts them in. And I'm like, what? Is it that hard to push in a chair? Is it that hard to, when you take a cup out of the cabinet, to wash it? Is it that hard to pick up our junk when we leave? Like, it's just honor. You know, and I think we have this mentality that it's not our job. This is all of our house. If you belong to Word of Life Family Church, this is your house. Like, how are we treating God's house? And, and you know, again, not saying I'm like have people in my head because I don't know who doesn't and I might look to see who doesn't push in their chair um, but it's just like but why do we think this why do we have this mentality in the church I mean it is I mean whether it be the toilet paper roll runs out well it's not my job to put it on we came in and there was coffee over the whole counter which granted it was probably a kid but I was just like did anybody else not see this or did they? And they're just like, it's not my job. This is not just Pastor Jason's church. This is our church. How do we treat our church? You know, and, and so another thing I was thinking with, with this house is if Pastor Jason has been placed here as the authority of our church, 
how do we treat him as our authority? Do we give him our full attention when he's preaching? Or do we cause, cause distractions? Or do we, oh my goodness, does he have to keep talking? Can he please end this? God has given him a word. Are we pulling on the word? There, um, I was listening to uh, uh, another preacher, and at first, um, so that there, it was a big church, and this guy got up to go to the bathroom, and the preacher stopped and looked at, and waited. And then he continued, and he's like, I won't have distraction when the word of God's getting preached. And I was like, whoa, that was pretty harsh. Which, not saying if you need to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. But, but at first I was thinking, that was harsh. But then I was like, that was honor. He's like, the word of God is coming forth from my mouth. Like, you guys, don't, don't stop the word. It was honor. He has such an honor for God that he, he couldn't even continue preaching when somebody got up. I was like, Wow. Wow, like God helped me to not cause distraction. So again, this is not like looking at you and thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe they just got up because I do the same thing. But I was like, God, help me to be a person of honor. Show me the areas that I need to change that when Pastor Jason's bringing the word, I'm fully invested. When Pastor Tara's bringing singing and she has a, a, a direction to go and worship, help me to be so full of honor because I'm an honor to you that I honor them. Like, what is it? That they're what you're trying to use them for. Like, let me show them honor. The other area was his word. So as you can tell, if only 18% of people are reading the Bible, there's no honor for his, even with his word. Like, do we not value what he has to say? Like, God, what are the, what what do you have to say? You know, I always we've been, I've been trying to help train our kids of like. So if Peyton the one day was yelling at Malachi, find in the Bible where it says it's okay. We have to understand, like, what does God have to say about it? Is it okay? Is it not okay? I don't care what Pastor Tara has to say, whether it's okay to get up and go to the bathroom. What does God have to say? Like, what does his word have to say? I don't care that the world says that sexual immorality is okay. What does God say is okay? And you're going to get picked on. Believe me, you're going to get picked on. I got picked on a lot because I remember when, when I was um, engaged to Brian to be married, people were like, you're not testing him out? No. He's the one for me, and I'll be married to him eventually. I don't need to test him out. If God told me to marry him, then he's the right one. So you will get picked on. <laughs> Which goes into another area of being picked on. One of the biggest things, and I'm sure you, a lot of you probably won't like me now either, is I was even thinking about drinking and drugs. You know, I have been more picked on by the church for choosing my stand and not drinking than I have by the world. The world actually looks at us and they're like, wow, you guys don't drink at all? You've never tried alcohol? Nope. The church people are the ones that are like, seriously, you're being too legalistic, Tracy. And there was a point in my walk with God, I was like, maybe it is okay. I mean, because there is Jesus turned water into wine. And I tried to justify doing it. And I remember God being like, you're going to take the opinion of people over what I've told you not to do. What is God telling us? The Bible is very clear. You know, the infiltration of it's okay to do pot in the church is huge. Well, it's natural. It's okay to do it. The Bible says to be sober-minded. To be of sober mind at all times. What does the Bible say? But Trace, it's just natural. Poop is natural too. Do you eat it? <laughs> like seriously. Like you wouldn't ever pick up poop and eat it. Just saying. Just saying. I'm sure we could leave some in the toilet for you guys that like natural. Okay, some other examples. So I started thinking, so all these areas, so we have like, you know, honor to God, and then we have honor to our authorities. You know, actually one of the biggest things is that we listened to a message, and this is where it spoke to me. And I was listening to um, John Bevere. I'll actually let you know, I'll know this because it's an amazing message. And he does a series on honor. And he was talking about honoring our president. I was like, oh, like he's not really deserving of honor though because he's not, you know, yeah, and I was like, and he's like, 
every authority is there by God, or they wouldn't be there. He goes, you don't have to agree with what they do, but how are we talking about them? In our talking, are we praying for them instead? God, I thank you that Biden will be a man after your own heart. God, I thank you that you're going to give him wisdom. He's going to hear your voice. Honor does not mean you have to agree with people. I don't even have to agree with God. I don't have to agree why he doesn't just make us all follow, be robots. I don't have to agree with him. He's God. He created the universe. He knows best. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's the only one that has ever been. I just need to submit and say, apparently you know it better, so I'm going to just listen to what you say because you're the one that knows it all. So I, I began to think, do we show honor to people and their houses? You know, we're starting this campfire gathering this summer, and I was just thinking, honor is putting value or putting weight to other people. And what so... Back a couple Sundays ago, I remember when we were doing worship. So if Tara likes turtles, the candy, not turtles, the animal, and if I don't agree with her, do I bring her turtles or do I bring, what is, what is something you absolutely hate? <laughs> Dark chocolate probably too. Okay. <laughs> Spicy. So I could be like, but Tara, you're supposed to like spicy chocolate, so I'm going to bring you some spicy chocolate, not turtles, because that's what makes sense to me. Is that honoring her? No, I can be like, I don't really get why she likes turtles. That doesn't make sense to me. They're just disgusting, but she loves it, so I'm going to honor what she loves. So as we're going into people's homes, are we going to honor their homes? Do they ask for their shoes to be off? I don't have to agree with it. I could be like, that doesn't make sense. You should be able to wear shoes. It's just a home. Well, it's not just a home to some people. Some people are like, but I want to keep the carpet clean so I don't have to vacuum every other day. We don't have to agree with it, but are we going to honor that? Are we going to, kids, pick up the toys that you've made a mess at their house because it's honoring others? I don't have to agree that there, shouldn't be to there should be toys put away or not put away. What do they like? What would bring them honor? So start thinking about that as we're going into people's homes. Like, okay, what do they like? What do they love? What, what, is, what do they put weight or value on? Because I want to honor the homes we're going into. Because I want to honor God, ultimately. Parents and children, but the children aren't in here. Like, one of the biggest commandments is children obey your parents, to honor your father and mother, is the big, one of the big ten commandments. Like, God puts high value in honoring your parents. Again... It doesn't mean you have to agree with your parents, but you need to honor them. But parents also need to honor their children. And how do you how do you honor how do you honor children? And so I was like thinking because I'm like, well, but we're the parent. We're the one that tells them what to do. So how do you honor your children? You at least listen to them. Say, okay, what what do you value? And then you say, but okay, but this is the final say. But honoring is listening. It's putting value on them not treating them harshly. How are you treating, talking about your kids? Are you talking, oh, they're just dumb kids? Or are you being like, they will be a man of God. They will be a woman of God. They, they do hear God's voice. Like, how do we talk about our children to other people? Are we putting value on them? Or are we talking negative about them? If you're going to talk to them negative, they're going to become who you tell, tell them to become then. If you, tell, if, you, if you tell them, I mean, think about it. We have a world, a society, that people think they're cats. People think that they're an it. Why do you think that is? Because they're believing what has been told them, to, that has been talked into them. They're believing what the lies of the enemy. This is not, the, because they're not reading their Bible and seeing who God created them to be. Sorry if this is heavy or not, but I think God wants to correct the church. If you read in Revelation, the end times, it's to the church. It's not to the world, it's to the church. He, he addresses to the seven churches. And it, and it can kind of sound kind of harsh, but out of God's correction is actually his love. 
because he's like, it's not your best. It's not the best for you. I'm correcting you because I want you to have an abundant life. I want you to prosper in everything you do. The reason I tell you to tithe is because then I can pour my blessing on you. The reason I tell you to stay away from all this stuff is because then I can bless you. It's not about like, oh, he just wants to be a harsh God. He's like, no, I want to bless you. I want to give you an abundant life, a life of free from worry, from anxiety. He wants to give us an abundant life. He sent Jesus to, he even, he didn't even give, he did it. We don't even have to do it in our own strength. He sent Jesus because he's like, yeah, they can't do it. I've, they can't do it. So I'm going to send Jesus because then you're going to be empowered with the Holy Spirit and you're going to be like, oh, this is easy to honor because Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. I can honor those who's God's place in authority over me. I can honor the church. I can honor God because he's given me Jesus. He's, he, we don't even have to do it. It's not us. How cool is that? So I was, so with this whole honor thing, then I was like, okay, we, we're should, we should honor, but why is he worthy of honor? Like, what would make me be like, okay, yeah, I should honor God. He's just God. Well, here's some reasons why you should honor God. Because he's creator. If nothing else, he's the one that actually created the only one that can create. In First Chronicles 29.11, it says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all. He's over all. He's over all. He's our creator. This is why he's deserving of honor. He's a loving father. As Tara even gave the, the story of the prodigal son. He's the loving father. He's always pursuing. I mean, when you start reading the Old Testament, all you see is his pursuit after humanity. Like, he's like, okay, I, like, you guys, just, like, obey. I want to bless you. I'm a loving father. I want, I want only good things for you. I only want good things for you. He only wants good things for us. And when we honor, he gets to, he honors us. Like he's a father that honors back. He's the eternal king. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. He's the only eternal one that has been from beginning to end. The only one. He's the ultimate judge. So this is another reason we should honor. Because we will stand before him someday and account for every single thing we do or say. Yes, Jesus came and he took away our sin. And I'm so grateful, but we will stand before a judge someday. This is not just for non-Christians. This is for Christians. We're going to stand before the ultimate judge, the one who is all perfect. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it actually says that we're going to appear before the judgment seat. So if you want to know where it says it, it's 2 Corinthians 5.10. Revelations 5.13 says, And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. They sing blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. He's the only one sitting on the throne, the only one we're going to stand before. Our judge. It says, you know, with that series that I was talking about, Honor, it actually says in the, in the Bible, there's a full reward. So with, if, you don't, if, there, if there's a full reward, that means there's a partial reward and there's a no reward. Honor will give us a full reward. Do we want a full reward or do we not want a reward? Like again, we live this life as if it's everything. This is not even on the scale. If you took a number against an infinite number, that's the right, correct word, right? You still get zero. 
Like this life, whether it be 80 years, whether it be 100 years, whether it be 1,000 years, will still equal zero on the scale of God because eternity is forever. But we live this life as if this is going to be the fullness of it. This life is the fullness reward for eternity. We have to get eternal perspective. You know, we so want to just please people. Why? It's for a blimp in eternity. We're doing things to please ourselves for eight seconds of satisfaction compared to eternity. A reward of eternity, in eternity. Or eight seconds of satisfaction. Like, that sounds crazy. But we do it. Whether it be yelling at somebody, whether it be sexual immorality, whether it be whatever. We get our quick fix of yelling at our kids, our eight seconds of satisfaction. Like, really? Like, God, help us to be eternal perspective, like, eternal-minded. Again, this, with this whole honor thing, I think that was part of it. Like, God, let me get it. It's not about like, oh, I see this person doing this wrong, this person doing this wrong, this person doing this wrong. I saw the world and where it's going, and I was like, God, what's the church's role? God, like, help me get it. Help me to show honor that people see it. They're like, wow, Tracy's a person of honor. And then I want to stand before God and him say, well done. You were a person of honor. You honored me well. going to go to Romans 1. Eighteen through twenty-five. But God showed his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. When we're choosing not to, sh to show honor, we're worshiping the things God created instead of him. Do we want that to be us? Do you want that to be you? Do I want that to be me? I was, I, as I was preparing this message too, I also, I got a picture of, um, so how many of you in here, if, the, if I said we were gonna um, address the American flag right now, what would you do? Stand up, what else would you do? Hand over your heart. Okay, would there any be anybody in here that wouldn't do that? And I began thinking, we show honor to a flag, which don't get me wrong, people paid a high price for that flag, and that's why we show honor. But we're willing to show honor to a flag, but we're not willing to show honor to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When we're not getting in his word to find out what's right and wrong, we're saying, You're not really worthy of me standing up and addressing you. I'm a little tired right now. He died for us. He was marred beyond human recognition for me. He took all my guilt. He took all my shame. 
to then send Holy Spirit to empower me to live the life he's called me to, and do I treat him with honor? Do I say, yes, Lord, like whatever you want? You paid the ultimate price. Do we value the blood? Do we value the blood? The blood that set us free. You know, it would, and it was it was kind of funny too because as I was preparing this, one of the things I was like thinking about honor and just those he has placed in authority over us, and I was thinking of um, just honoring, you know, anybody in authority over us. And I was, and I had an analogy for Pastor Jason of like, oh, if he told me to empty the garbage, would I do it? You know, what would be my response? Because if it's not full, why would I do it? You know, but as pastor, he's earned. He's showed me that he has earned honor so to speak like i'm like okay obviously if pastor jason tells me to empty the garbage i know his character so he has a reason so i'm just going to do it and as i was thinking of this we started setting up for the mother's day thing and pastor jason asked me to help him get the um, white paper and so I, I cut the paper and it cut like through a little bit and so i thought we were laying one row down he's like well unravel that and cut it so that way the 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 piece the cut the cut piece um will just like take it off or whatever. And I was like, but I'll use it. Like, we don't have to throw it away just because I cut through it. And he's like, yeah, um, yeah, just unravel it though and like cut. And I was like, I don't get it. I'm like, oh, honor. Okay, I don't need to get it. But he's asked me to unravel it and cut it. So when I did, he laid it down. I was like, oh, you wanted to use it? He's like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't explain that well. But I was like, it didn't matter. I didn't need to know why you told me to do it. You told me to do it. And honor is just doing it. Like, I feel like that's a lot with God. I think when we honor him, it's going to be like, oh, that's why? Like, how cool. Like, oh, God wanted me to be blessed. Like, oh, that's awesome. So I'm going to leave you guys with this scripture. Well, apparently I preach longer than Pastor Jason. In 2 John 1, 8 through 9 says, Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Don't lose sight of it. Don't lose sight of the prize that's before us. Don't lose sight of why we're doing this life he's called us to live. Don't lose sight of it. He's like, there's a full reward. There's a full reward. Betty is getting a full reward right now. I couldn't help but think about this. As as she's walked this last 50 years of her life as a, as a child of the king, and she fully pursued it, she's getting her full reward because she honored him. Like that was what her life was for. It was about eternity. It was living for eternity. It was living for her full reward. Like God, help us get eternal perspective. We're not living for now. We're not living for this next week. We're living for eternity. Full reward. So God, I thank you that you correct us. God, I'm so thankful for your correction because it's your abundant life. So God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you want to bless us. You want to bless your creation. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word that brings life, that sets us free. God, I thank you for setting us free. I thank you for the price that was paid. God, let us not ever treat you as common, ever treat you as ordinary, but God, that we put weight, that we put value on what you say, that we put weight and we put value on what you say, not our own opinion, not what we think is right or wrong, but what are you saying? What are you telling us? What are you so gently correcting us in? God, I thank you that we have ears to hear. It's for our correction, not for us to point fingers, but for our correction.
God, I thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts out what doesn't belong. So God, I thank you that you're cutting out what doesn't belong in us. You're cutting it off. Those things that the enemy has lied to us about, God, you're cutting it off. You're showing truth. God, I thank you for truth. I thank you for truth, that the spirit of truth is in this place. God, I thank you for hungry hearts. I thank you that we will not be the statistic, but we will be the church that's on fire, that we are a church that honors you well, that we are a church that when we honor you well, we honor others well. And people see it and they see you it's for your glory and it's for your honor. God, may we bring honor to you in every area of our life. Every area of our life, may I honor you well. Not just in part of my life, not just on my Sundays, but God, let me honor you well throughout the week. Let us honor you well with our mouth. With our actions. God, I thank you that you reveal these things because you want to bless us. I thank you that you show us these things because you want to pour open the floodgates of heaven on us. That our minds will be constantly blown by you. God, I thank you that you go before us, you go behind us, as we leave this building, totally surrounding us. I thank you that we never have to go outside of your presence. That we get to go out of these doors and take you. So I just pray blessing over these people. I thank you that your hand of protection is over them this week. And you bless everything they put their hands to. It prospers. In Jesus' name, amen.